0: My second guest today is Lydia Welker of the Appalachian Prison Book Project. She is a volunteer digital communications coordinator for APBP. It's a small grassroots nonprofit that sends free books and provides educational opportunities to people incarcerated in prisons and in jails in Appalachia. Lydia Welker is also a technical writer and editor based in the Midwest with a passion for the life-changing power of books and education. Welcome, Lydia.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm
0: excited to be here. First off, I'd love for you to give us a little bit of history, some context for your prison book project. Since it was founded in 2004, you've mailed over 65,000 books to people behind bars.
1: There are there's a very large network of organizations like ours that are dedicated to sending books to people incarcerated in prisons and jails across the country. So no matter what state you're from or listening from or where people you know are incarcerated, there is a prison book program out there trying its very best to send books to people incarcerated in that state. The reason organizations like ours exist is that it's extremely difficult to get reading material, educational opportunities, books themselves to people who are incarcerated. Prisons, jails, the government on a state level and a federal level make it really difficult. There are a lot of restrictions and regulations and rules that change on a whim and are different from facility to facility that you have to navigate in order to get books to people in prison. And organizations like ours have practice navigating these rules. And so we're very experienced with sending books to people incarcerated in the States we serve. And that's why supporting organizations like APVP or like our other, the projects we work in solidarity with is a great way to support reading and education for folks behind bars. And the reason we're doing this work, to speak for us at APBP at least, is that we believe education and access to books are human rights. We also know that literature and education are essential to creating a culture that doesn't rely on cages to solve societal problems. So that's a little bit about the history of prison book programs in the country. So
0: tell us more about Appalachian Prison Book Project's mission.
1: Of course. So um, the Appalachian Prison Book Project, we are an all-volunteer grassroots nonprofit organization based in Morgantown, West Virginia, that sends free books and provides educational opportunities to people incarcerated in Appalachia. So we serve a six state region. That's Virginia, West Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, and Maryland. And Since we were founded, we've mailed over uh, 65,000 books now, hosted book clubs with more than 100 imprisoned people, and helped 30 incarcerated students earn college credit. Our mission is to challenge mass incarceration through books, education, and community engagement. Mass incarceration divides our society into these two worlds, people in prison and jail, and people... Not in prison and jail, which is known in the justice space as people on the inside and people on the outside. And so our challenge is to fight this division through books and education. So for people on the inside, um, we're mailing books, we're creating prison book clubs, and helping students take college classes as part of this understanding that literature transforms people's. Lives It transforms our society. And then for people on the outside, people like you and me, um, volunteers, donors, responding to letters from people in prison and learning about the prison experience through those letters prepares our volunteers to join these larger national conversations about mass incarceration while carrying the lived experiences of people who are most harmed by it. A little history. So um, in 2004, Dr. Katie Ryan in the English department at West Virginia University taught a course on the literature of imprisonment. The students in that course, along with Dr. Ryan and community members, collected books and raised money to send those books to people in prison. We sent our first book in 2006 and we became a 501c3 nonprofit in 2012. And we've been serving people in Appalachian prisons and jails ever since.
0: Yeah, so I'd love for you to talk about morale building and the importance of not getting disconnected from a sense of community.
1: Oh, yes. Prison, jail is dehumanizing, and it's designed to be dehumanizing. And One of the most important parts about sending books to individuals who are incarcerated, about our volunteers reading letters written by these folks who are in prison, is humanizing. It's creating this bridge between those two worlds that I was talking about to um, humanize people who are behind bars right now. The United States locks up more people than any other nation We have the highest domesticated incarceration rate in the world. 1.9 million people are locked up right now in the U.S. And so as you say, it's this concept of humanization, of hope, of reminding people on the inside that there are people on the outside who care about them and their experiences and that they deserve to live. They deserve to have access to things they like to read. They deserve to learn about the things they want to learn about. All connected, very much so.
0: Many communities are especially harmed and broken in terms of the family unit by mass incarceration, right? So bridging a, a sense of community between folks inside and folks on the outside must in in some way support and help, I don't know, at least take steps to heal that uh, division.
1: Yes. I'm so glad you brought this up. I think about this a lot personally and our organization is also thinking about this, but, um, that number, that 1.9 million people, um, I always think about how that's just the very tip of that iceberg because every person locked up, you know, they have, there's a gap they're leaving behind in their family, their friends, their community, the, um, state, the region, everything. And so there's this, um, The tendrils of mass incarceration reach much further than the individual who is behind bars. Yes, we, one of my responsibilities is to um, manage the email account, social media accounts, things like that. And so I am often getting people writing to us on behalf of their loved ones, asking for us to send them books. And that's always a powerful message for me to get, you know. Someone is advocating for someone on the inside. And that's really important to me. In one way, we are serving both our community and then the incarcerated folks that we're working with.
0: For those whose lives have not been personally touched by the system of mass incarceration, we need to develop more empathy and understanding.
1: Yes, I absolutely agree. And that is one of the things we are doing through having our volunteers Know, physically in our space, reading letters handwritten by people in prison. It's very prevalent in media from the time we're young until we die that um, this story about what prison is and what people who are inside prisons deserve. And so um, reading letters from incarcerated people and sending them a book is one way to fight against what we've been told the whole time. Um, Because those letters don't just contain requests for books, they are writing about what life is like inside prison. And then to people who aren't near a program like ours, or they can't kind of get their hands on a letter, I always encourage people to start by listening to incarcerated people now. um, The Prison Journalism Project has an entire database of essays, poetry, Letters written by incarcerated people about their experiences. And um, the Marshall Project will publish articles written by people in prison. And there are plenty of people who were incarcerated and are now dedicating their life to telling these stories, like Dwayne Betts in his uh, memoir and Carrie Blankinger in her memoir. And so all of these kind of come together to humanize the people who are most affected by incarceration. Can you talk about the book clubs? We were facilitating three book clubs at a federal prison in West Virginia. This was pre-pandemic. And so unfortunately, like so much of our society, those book clubs stopped in 2020 and we haven't been allowed to start them again. Those book clubs were incredible. We had um, two in two different men's prisons and then one in a women's prison and, um, Our goal was to bring books and talk with people. And um, so many of the people who participated in those book clubs were leading discussions and then creating incredible pieces of art. They were writing. And so we were able to collect a lot of their writing and art and put it into a publication. So people can access that on our website and see this creative work by these um, book club members. It's really incredible. And since the pandemic, um, we have um, supported a new initiative at West Virginia U- University. It's called the Higher Education in Prison Initiative, which is currently working on an associate's degree program at a federal prison in Pennsylvania. And we have a couple book clubs going that we're supporting through that initiative. So, more book clubs are happening. Um, we did have that long period of blankness because of um prison and jail restrictions due to the pandemic but now we're in we're now we're inside again trying to build these opportunities for people to come together and talk about literature so tell us about the process of getting books into prisons how can folks get involved we get about 200 letters a week from people who are incarcerated in the six states we serve asking for books, Sometimes people ask for titles, genres, they want to learn about something, whatever it is. And what our volunteers do is read those letters and we look through our shelves of donated books and then we send them off to those individuals. So we are run off of donations. We rely on donors from Morgantown, across the region, across the country to send us the books that we, we need so that we can send people the kinds of things that they want to read. So like I said earlier, it's really challenging to get books into prisons and jails. Um, Sending mail to someone on the inside has never been easy, and it's getting harder every day. But there are some general guidelines that most prisons and jails fall under. So, Books have to be in good condition. Most books, um, sorry, most prisons and jails won't accept hardcover books. And so we ask for donations of paperback books. And then um, they have to be in good condition. Prisons and jails and people who work in the mailrooms of those facilities will reject books for a lot of different reasons. They'll reject books if they have pencil or pen marks on the inside. They'll reject books that are missing covers. They have torn pages. Books that have maps, books that have nudity, books that have graphic violence, and a lot of these things might sound reasonable, but um, we've had books of art rejected because there was a sculpture of a um, naked person like Michelangelo, David, right? That's a book with that has been rejected because of nudity. Or um, we've had a copy of The Lord of the Rings, one of those books rejected because there's a map a fantasy map in the front. So um, it can be very difficult to send books to people in prison, but we have a long, we have a lot of experience of figuring out what books and how to get them to individuals. So People anywhere can support us or support your local prison book program by donating books that we need and um, donating funds that we can use to cover the postage it takes to mail books to people in prison. Um, Fun fact: our most requested book is the most requested book by people in prison and jail across the country, all of the prison book programs. There's one book that's most requested requested, and that is the paperback dictionary. So The Humble Dictionary is the most requested book by people in prison, um, followed closely by reference books like um, up-to-date world almanacs, thesauruses, um, legal dictionaries, medical dictionaries, things like those. And then um, we get a lot of requests for educational books, how-to books, we call them, you know, how to start a business, how to knit a scarf, how to exercise, how to um, construct a house. We get a lot of requests for foreign language learning materials, people wanting to learn Spanish, people wanting to learn French, American Sign Language. Uh, We get requests for books by Black authors, LGBTQ authors, Native authors, and then a lot of popular fiction genres like Westerns, mysteries, sci-fi, fantasy, thriller, those sorts of things. But again, um, it's a complicated system. the federal government has its own rules about what books can be sent to people in prison. Each state has its own rules that apply to state prisons. Each county or city has its own rules for their jails and each warden running those different facilities has their own rules. And then sometimes it comes down to the person working in the mailroom at the time the book comes through on whether it will be accepted or not. That's the reason again why programs like ours exist because we keep careful track about when books are rejected and when they aren't. We're in contact with prisons to make sure we're clear on the rules for their facility. and um, We're constantly working against this large system to try to provide people with the books they want to read.
0: Wow. Well, that's wonderful and it's so fantastic that, that you exist. It sounds like quite the process to look at the analytics on rejected books. Are tablets in prison a viable way for folks to read books?
1: So the West Virginia Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation had a contract with Global TelLink to provide these, quote, free tablets to people in prison. But when we read the contract, the books available on those tablets were from Project Gutenberg's free online archive. But for people incarcerated in West Virginia prisons who want to use the tablets, there was a five cents per minute reading fee. There was a discounted rate of three cents per minute at the time, but we didn't have any information about how long that would last. And our argument is that paying by the minute to read is not any way to read, that's no way to read. And so um, we're pushing back against predatory contracts, but. We support the use of tablets and ebooks in prisons as long as it's not crowding out the opportunity to also have physical books on the inside, because access to those are just as important.
0: You can bond with a book, I think, in a different way.
1: Oh, you know? yeah. We have seen this because people write us back and they tell us about Um, what they thought about the book. But then one of my favorite things about all of this is hearing about the journey a book takes after we send it to someone. When we mail a book to someone on the inside, they might keep it for themselves, which is understandable. We all have books we keep to ourselves. But we'll also hear from people about how they read the book, they loved it, and then they shared it with people in their cell, on their block. They shared it with everyone they could. They Donated it to their prison library if it existed to continue to like share the journey of that book, to share its inspirational message, to share its entertainment, whatever it may be, to everyone that they could. And I love hearing those stories about how the book, how much the book means to the people who are receiving it. Books matter, they bring joy, they bring hope, they bring information, they change minds, they change lives. They start conversations, they build connections, they support community, you know, not to get too cheesy, but books are powerful. And so people deserve access to them.
0: Thank you so much, Lydia Welker, Volunteer Digital Communications Coordinator of the Appalachian Prison Book Project. Thank you for being here with us today with your wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. For a list of books to prisons programs across the U.S., go to prisonbookprogram.org slash prisonbooknetwork. For more information about the Appalachian Prison Book Project, go to Appalachian appalachianprisonbookproject.org and you can also find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AppalachianPBP. You've been listening to Healing Wisdom at Outermost Radio. All of our shows are podcasts at WOMR.org. Also, check out Healing Wisdom Radio Show.com and contact me at Pandora at WOMR.org. Our theme music is provided by mazen you can find her website at masonmusic.com. that's m-a-e-s-y-n